Hello and welcome to HR Bytes, a podcast and video series to bring you stories of HR professionals who bring a think globally and act locally digital HR agenda to their work. Everyday people who are driving digital transformations in their organizations, data-driven and future-fit digital HR leaders. We are present on all your favorite podcast channels and you can watch us on YouTube as well. Do follow us on social. This is your host, Jay Pulaki, and today's guest is my very good friend, Dwayne Bray. Welcome to HR Bytes, Dwayne. I am delighted to share your insights with the HR Bytes community today. Well, thank you for having me, Jay. It's great to be here and great to connect as always. Absolutely. Duane, you've been in the HR space and in the HR design space for a very, very long time. What have you seen in the past few years through the pandemic that ripped through our world and after as we've met the challenges of all the different things that have been thrown at us in HR? And how 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 do you think we should be continuing to build upon all of these learnings that we've acquired over the past few years? Yeah, that's a great question. And maybe I'll just give a quick context from my lens, which might be a little different from some others. So I'm not a traditional HR practitioner. I'm actually a designer by training. A lot of my focus is in product development, design, innovation, and consulting. And so the lens that I bring is I've actually played a role as a somewhat non-traditional um, chief people officer, but also have had a lens of advising clients um, and being parts of several different networks that are about kind of thinking about how HR practitioners work. So when I share, it'll be some of my personal experience, but some also from my work with clients and from my network. And I guess when I think about um, everything we've been through the last two years, well, I mean, not everything, but the components that relate to us as people practitioners, there are kind of two phases I felt that this we kind of went through. So one was really understanding like, do we have the systems in place to support all of the changes, right? So there was that first phase, which is just, do we know where our people are? Um, how do we move things like remote learning? How do we understand performance management? How do we understand growth? Like all of those things of actually making sure our system supported us while we were remote um, and just getting the basics. And I think one of the things we learned is a lot of the systems actually couldn't do that very well. Um, we didn't actually have things in place. And sometimes there just wasn't the rigor or the knowledge. I mean, I remember going through a process of like, where does everybody live? And do we actually have employment policies in place to support wherever they live? And what happens if someone wants to work internationally during the pandemic? So all of those basics, but also like, you know, we would do in-person learning opportunities. How can we make those successful moving to digital? So there's all of that then there was the second phase, which I think has, has more continuity into the present day, which is this combination of what I call exploding needs and imploding budgets. So more and more of a reliance on HR practitioners to support anything, right? And some of that is supporting leaders to understand the, the move to hybrid and to remote work. Some of it is actually supporting employees around how their needs might have changed of balancing what does it mean to have a family and a pet and a noisy apartment and all of those things to do the work. Um, and so there was that bit, but then there was also this notion of budget starting to get cut um, and this sort of strain of how can technology help us keep a better pulse on things? How can technology help to cover some of the basics um, so that we could 
be more strategic, which is the desired state. I think the practical state is actually at least stop drowning, right? So there is that notion of how can we get better support? So where can we get an assist in the work that we're doing to scaffold us to do things better? So that, and that to me transitions into what we're still doing today because we're still seeing a lot of layoffs. We're seeing often with companies when they're looking at cutting costs, they cut costs from internal teams. Um, so those of us that are in support or infrastructure roles historically might feel the, the pinch a bit more. So that's kind of where I see we are today. Well, that's a great insight into our current and present state of affairs. Just watching the news, you know, you come out with this feeling of confusion, right? And and our leadership is now asking every team, as you said, to do more with less. Um, mm -hmm. Such a scenario, you know, the adoption of technology, if you ask me, for our HR colleagues in all aspects of our function is inevitable. Um, mm -hmm. How do you think we should accelerate the adoption of a digital mindset in our mm -hmm. people function? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question, too, because I think, you know, there are, and when I talk to, to HR practitioners, there's some who are very excited and they want to be the early adopters and others who are very reluctant or feel that they live in an environment where their leaders are reluctant to, to create systems of change. So I know there's a few things I look at. One is actually, I think a great thing is to actually talk to colleagues and other organizations who have been on the journey. And I think this is important for a lot of reasons. I think this is a time more than ever where practitioners need to be together in dialogue and build more of a sense of community and share learnings. Um, we're all going through this together. So the more we can connect with each other and understand who's who's actually working in the space, who's had success or who's had failures but have learned from it, right? So I think that's really important, being curious and reaching out. Also, like this is a moment where it's almost like a golden age of innovation in HR systems. The number of startups, the amount of venture go money going into startups in HR tech is huge. Talk to founders themselves. I mean, I think that's actually one of the things I think is most exciting is there's a hunger for a stronger connection between founders and potential organizations to work with. And so building those connections, like asking a founder, because many founders in um, PeopleTech actually came from these roles, right? So what inspired you to do this? Why did you choose to build this product? What was the need that you saw? And understand there's some common ground there. I also think there's something about giving yourself permission to do a little bit of experimenting on your own. What if you try a small pilot? And identify like what are the goals or the outcomes that I would want to see, and what's my own learning journey? Because some of the things I think there's a fear often of like, well, maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm not as fluent in the technology as I thought. So finding that kind of safe place place to to practice, I think, could be really helpful. Absolutely. I'm, you know, you know, I'm an HR practitioner turned tech founder as well, and you know, I often ask myself that question just so I can relate better to my HR colleagues who are in the throes of things. You know, I call them the boots on the ground right now because I am not uh -huh. in uh, the HR space as a practitioner. Uh, and so I have a lens, which is different from the outside to the inside right now. And it's fascinating to learn about all the different challenges that are being thrown at us today. You know, in this experience economy, uh, where we are being asked to provide all of this individualized and engaging and consumer great experiences for our employees. Our function in HR, our people function has definitely changed, right? It, over the past three years, definitely at light speed. And, you know, how do you think we should be, um, you know, overcoming some of the barriers to 
promulgating this consumer grade experience in our workplaces. You know, there are so many barriers to putting together projects and HR digital transformation um, program mm-hmm. company. How do we as HR professionals, you know, you answered a little bit of this question early on, you know, help our help our colleagues understand uh, that the nature of our function has changed. And, you know, if we have to be meaningful to the workforce, we need to be actively contributing and, you know, changing our policies or the way we work and how we do the work in order to help our workforce better. Where do you see us, you know, overcoming these barriers and how how would you advise, you know, some of our colleagues to go about it? Yeah, um, to me, this is kind of where my background as a designer comes in, where I think there's a lot of understanding what are the needs of our people. So talking to our people a bit more, not from the perspective of that we know, but actually that we're curious to learn. So what are their expectations? Um, What might be the experiences that they're holding as a comparison, right, to what they see? you know, so many HR systems, particularly some of the legacy ones, just feel so outdated, right? And so someone coming in who's new to the workforce is like, what is this ancient technology that I'm using? Why doesn't this work with my phone, right? Um, why do I have to do things in this way? What are the experiences that they that, that they compare this to? Also, what are their needs? What are their questions, right? What's motivating them? Because I think Things often can start to feel like it's about policy or compliance rather than actually about meaningful human connections. And one of the things I think that is important to that is thinking a little bit differently about um, the way that we lead and the way that we roll out solutions. So we talk a lot about social capital and the role that social capital plays or doesn't play right within the HR function. And I think having this mindset of leading through influence, not through mandate, is important. So certainly, depending on your organization, you may actually be able to lead through mandate. This is how it goes. You do this if you want a job here. I didn't come from an organization like that. When I was a chief people officer, there was no mandate. And it was entirely lead through influence. And I actually thought that that was beneficial because what I had to do was demonstrate the value of a solution that we were bringing out. So I had to articulate the needs that it met why it mattered, why we, what we were expecting to see. And then we would see if the adoption was there. And in some cases, obviously, the adoption wasn't really up for debate. We had to make the change. But in other cases, we would look to see who would actually um, find value. And so having to think about this notion of leading through influence, demonstrating value, reconnecting to articulate what are the needs that I understand about um, the people I'm here to serve, right? And how is this going to be better for them is a great way, I think, to frame a lot of the conversations. Well, you touched upon social capital. That was my next, um, you know, question. And um, you talked about how it's so important, the connections within the organization in, in generating, incubating, and scaling innovation in our HR department. What's one piece of advice do you have for our HR colleagues who are looking to adopt or learn new technology? You know, there are several, several different bad actors <laughs> during a digital transformation that we never think mm-hmm. of, right? And they just pop out of the woodwork uh, and it catches by surprise. Uh, what's what's something that you have learned through your practical experience in deploying uh, tech at work um, mm-hmm. that you think are colleagues could learn from? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of ways I'd answer that. I think one is understanding that 
employees, depending on their lens, are coming with different expectations and not assuming that there's a one size fits all. So who are the people that are likely to want to adopt and might be giving you good insights about that journey? Who are the resistors and the detractors that you need to convince? I think it's helpful to think about some of those individuals and not just in the abstract, but actual people to engage with, to understand whether solutions are going to work or not. And really kind of connect to and understand meeting people where they are, um, being able to articulate that what I would, you know, what I would hope from an employee perspective is that if I share my needs or my concerns, that when I see a solution, maybe not my specific thing has been addressed, but the idea that actually somehow by sharing information, that's actually altered um, the outcome, right? The things are, I've helped improve things by sharing my input or feedback. And to do that, we actually need to follow through that. And if we're seeking input to understand, we have to act upon it and potentially even change our trajectory. I think the other thing that's important to think about is what is your internal kind of brand or experience that you're trying to create? So one of the challenges I think sometimes with the many different technologies that exist that we could deploy is it's not clear who's doing what. So if everything is outsourced and I'm going to this product or that product or that product, what is the cohesion? So I think your job as an HR leader is to bring cohesion to those systems. So why are we using these different pieces? If I'm going to these different discrete experiences, what is my wrapping for that as to why I engage with that? And so I think sometimes we don't think about that. And then we end up kind of giving away part of the employee experience to a whole bunch of different products without actually articulating to people why they're there, why they're important, what needs they're addressing. Wonderful. Well, I just have one last question for you, and that is about remote and hybrid work. I know I know this is an ongoing debate. Um, what do you think about this debate of, of remote versus hybrid versus um, just being in the office? Um, you know, there's several big tech companies, as well as the big companies out there that are calling their workforces back to the offices. Mm-hmm. How do you think we in HR, as the people function, you know, we work with the people more than any other function in the mm-hmm. company. How do you think we should be advising our business leaders and also working with our workforce to meet these new mandates? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. And I think that goes back to this earlier point about actually building trust and dialogue with our communities to understand their needs and to represent them. So that is the gap I think we're seeing with a lot of leaders. And I think a role that HR leaders in particular can and need to play, which is often acceptance or resistance around these new ways of working comes from the top. And if those decisions are being informed by fear and uncertainty, and I'm not saying that that's always the case, Um, But I think fear, uncertainty, and a lack of clear metrics are often where we get some reactionary things of, great, we're experimenting with all this. Nope, everybody come back to the office. So I think it's actually shifting that conversation to say, what are the needs that people have that are making these requests feel like they're not temporary, but they're actually permanent? How can we build those in? And starting to think about maybe what the things are that we wish to measure. I feel like There's a lot of conversations around productivity. Um, And I don't know that that's getting us anywhere. I think maybe it's actually, how are people growing? How are we developing them? Um, And where can hybrid and remote work help support that? Um, So that it's not about 
measuring keyboard clicks or things like that, which everyone can see right through, right? To shift the conversation. On the keyboard. (laughs) I know. It's just, it's, it's, and it, there's nothing there. I don't think there's any clear benefit to that. It's like, are people actually doing the work that they need to do, regardless of the hours that they work at the time that they have? And I know not every organization agrees with that, but I think there's something we can do to shift the conversation and to represent the needs and requests. I mean, I've talked with people who are looking, you know, looking for work. And I think, you know, and I think there's something really interesting about this moment where more than ever before, it's a peer-based conversation. It's not about an employer seeking to see if an employee is qualified. It's actually both of those things. A prospective employee actually understanding whether or not this is a good fit for them, whether their needs are going to be met. And I've heard many people talk about like remote is really important. And they would not join an organization that did not commit to a long-standing policy around that. So we're starting to see that shift, and I don't think that's changing. So um, we have to be prepared to advise our leaders about making strategic decisions that have long-term implications so that we don't have these kind of knee-jerk back-and-forth policies. Wonderful. Well, that brings us to the funner part of our conversation. Uh, It's a question connection where our community gets to learn about you a little bit more. I do have theme music for it. So when they see, when they hear (laughs) hear some music along with uh, the answers to the rapid fire questions. So here goes. Who is one person you've gained in your network in the last year that you think more people should know about in the HR tech space and the HR design space? Yeah, so there's actually someone I want to point you to who I worked with a while ago and who um, uh, I now know in a new way because she has a leadership podcast. It's her and someone I didn't know before. So Virginia Martinez, um, and if Virginia, if you hear this, hello, shout out to you, and Kara Kirby have a podcast called Pop on Leadership. And I've understood kind of through their work a really fun way to to talk about difficult leadership topics. So they have a podcast which actually uses pop culture. And in fact, they're using currently Ted Lasso as a series to kind of dissect and enter in a conversation around leadership behavior and how leaders work and operate. And so um, I really enjoyed that. So one is I'm getting to know Virginia in a new way through that work and then understanding kind of the expertise and capability of Kara as well. So wanted to just um Uh, That's definitely one for me. Sure. I will link their account in the show notes so our audience can also listen. And um, Ted Lasso is so good. So I'm sure (laughs) the show is awesome. (laughs) What's your favorite HR book? Or um, you already mentioned your podcast. What's, What's your favorite HR book that you would recommend that we read today? You know, it's interesting. I am one of those people who is not big on webinars or learning or book reading that much. I'm very much about immersing myself in experiences. So I'm going to flip a little bit different with the answer to that question to be there's actually a network um, and a kind of a movement that I want to mention that I get a lot of personal value out of learning. It's called 100% Human at Work. It's a network that started by Virgin Unite, which is the Virgin Corporation's um, foundation. And there's a principle that they have around what does it mean to be a truly a human employer? Um, they have a set of principles, there's an assessment. But what I love is there's a lot of amazing content that they produce, which is learnings from their network of experiments that they try, things that they do. 
and they have convenings in different parts of the world. I live in New York and I happen to be lucky that they often meet here once a year. And to me, that's kind of my learning hit. I usually take so much out of that that I I bring into my own thinking and my own work. That's awesome. I've never heard of them. So I will link that up in the show notes as well for everyone. Great. Great. Um, given that, you know, there is always this VUCA world we live in and all the upheaval that we are facing in our HR function in the past years and even before that, what's one workplace trend that you think is here to stay? I think the workplace trend that is here to stay is the need to articulate the value of what we're doing to employees. I think the tide has turned. It's not about pushing policies and practices on people. It's actually about meeting people where they're at and showing that we understand their needs and we care about that. And I think while you could say that's always been true to some extent, I think the expectations of people entering the workforce are much higher and stronger and that that's actually a really good thing. And I don't see that going anywhere. Absolutely. So Duane, my last question for you is you get back to the community and the HR community in myriad ways. How do you enjoy giving back specifically to the HR community? Well, I think my lens, as I mentioned, is comes from a design and consulting background. I was in a chief product officer role. I'm not anymore. And I think, you know, I think what I bring is often seen as different, hopefully in a good way. I don't know. That's not for me to decide. Um, but I think I love advising. I love time spending, uh, spending time connecting with people across my network, making linkages across my network. I also love to support people that are trying to kind of understand better kind of what the needs are of the people that they're trying to serve. So sometimes also I help out with workshops and convenings and things like that. But more than anything, I just love to advise and make connections. Wonderful. Well, thank you again so much for being here today. I've learned a lot and I'm sure our community has um, you know, gotten a lot of insights from this short conversation today. Um, well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And HR Bytes community, if you'd like to ask Dwayne any questions, what's the best way to reach you, Dwayne? Oh, just reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm always around. Absolutely. So I'll link up uh, Dwayne's LinkedIn account in the show notes as well. And thank you all for being here today. And we look forward to seeing you on our next episode of HR Bytes. Have a great day. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.